Blog Talk Radio. guest is uh, Derek Caffey. Uh, are you there, Derek? Yep, uh, Derek Caffey. Caffey, oh, I'm sorry. Derek Caffey. <laughs> no, uh, no problem. Good. good to have you. How is your day going so far? It is very busy uh, with the events of today. Uh, you know, everybody's uh, trying to pivot and get into a better uh, position, so that includes myself. Yeah, yeah. So how do you look at uh, real estate investing? Well, before let me let me uh, share a little bit about who we're who we're talking to, so we can you know have an idea of the the person behind the, the mic, so to speak. Uh, Derek is a is a Army U.S. Army veteran, attained his bachelor's degree from Youngstown State University with a concentration in finance. He later attended Clark Atlanta University for his MBA, but decided to postpone that to uh, grow. Code Black Properties, and Code Black Properties LLC is a real estate investment firm specializing in the development of multifamily and commercial properties, and so we're so excited to have them here to talk about real estate investing because, as I've said on the show before, there's usually only two ways you make money in America. Either you have start a business or you invest in real estate, and sometimes most of the folks who 
make it, usually you're doing both. What do you think about that, Derek? Is that pretty much uh, the case here in America? You have to either have a business or or invest in now. You can invest in stocks and things like that and come up with an idea and be, but you know, basically, you have to have a business. Uh, that's what America's built on business yeah. and, and real estate. Yeah, yeah, uh, business. Uh, whether that business is the military complex or otherwise, it's always uh, <laughs> it always winds <laughs> up being uh, about business and the uh, acquisition of resources. So share with us what was so exciting about real estate that made you postpone your MBA studies at Clark Atlanta University? Uh, well, I am a licensed real estate agent. So uh, at the time, uh, this was, I think, 2018, 2018 or 2017. Uh, so basically was uh, advertising and getting so many uh Sales that it just made it made financial sense to postpone uh, the MBA because the only reason I actually decided to pursue my MBA was because as a military veteran I had uh, uh, benefits from the GI Bill and they expire after a certain amount of time so basically I was under the lose it uh, use it or lose it timeline and so uh, <laughs> I went into I pursued my MBA because uh, I was like okay well. Let me do that. But uh, I had also around the same time got my license as a real estate agent. And uh, basically once I got into the program and I started seeing the uh, how – well, basically the money that could be earned from that side of things, it just made more sense to pursue this rather than uh, pursuing the MBA track, which was more geared towards me working for someone else. and. That wasn't something that interests me. Did you have any prior experience in, in terms of uh, owning a business, or you just kind of jumped out and said, you know, with your real estate license, let me not only sell real estate but also invest in it? Uh, well, yes. Uh, in 2007, I had just graduated. Uh, December 2007, I had just graduated college, and. I was getting ready to uh, get a job as a financial analyst, and prior to doing that, as I was going through and I was being interviewed by the uh, gentleman who owned the uh, financial services firm, and he's telling me, yeah, you're going to have to work hard, and you know, you're going to have to build up your clientele, and the thing was, there's a part of me that uh, that's very independent. And so my thoughts were if I'm going to build my uh, – if I'm going to have to build up a clientele, why don't I build it up for my own business? So back in two, this, uh, January 2008, I had started a, uh, a restaurant delivery service called You Gotta Eat. And so uh, this was one of my first more legit businesses, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> and by legit meaning it actually made money. Because uh, I started businesses previously, okay. uh, ever since I got out of the military, but this was the first one to actually make a little bit of money. And this was back before DoorDash and Uber Eats and all of these other uh, major players got into the market. But before that, there was an industry called the restaurant delivery service industry, and it was just uh, people who would start delivery services specializes specializing in doing what Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub and all others do today, which is deliver food from different restaurants to people at their final destination. 
And who would have thought now, um, fast forward, that uh, Uber Eats and some of these other places are the go-to businesses right now <laughs> during this pandemic? Yeah. Uh, I imagine the folks are doing very, very well. You know, everybody's coming yeah. up with a new model to do business, whereas before uh, your employer may have told you, you know, you can't work from home. But guess what? Not yes, you can. And uh, so there's a lot of things changing right now. So you. Yes. So what was your first? What was your first real estate investment? What was the first thing that you did uh, that kind of just got you started? So in 2015, I had bought my first duplex, uh, and it was so it was my first home and my first investment in one. Uh, during that time, I was because I was a military veteran, I was. Uh, able to tap into the VA home loan and that allows you to purchase a home what, up to four units. So you can buy a single family home or duplex, triplex or quadplex. And so uh, I had aimed for a quadplex, but the single, I mean, sorry, the what's called single family, multifamily properties are very uh, few and far in between. So you basically have to go to wherever that property is. So eventually, uh, just to get on base, I got me a duplex uh, in Cobb County. Hello? Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I missed that. We blanked out there for a second. All right. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, so no, that was, uh, I don't know where I, I dropped off at, but basically uh, the first property was a duplex in Cobb County uh, where I lived in one side and then I rented out the other side. Wow, okay. And so now that's a new, so as a veteran, you can buy uh, uh, investment property or you just bought the property as a duplex and just decided to, you know, kind of rent out the other side and live in the other side. So was this was this program earmarked for investors or just for no, uh, primary this is anybody, yes, anybody who's a veteran, uh, anything from one to four units is considered residential. So hmm. VA allows you to buy residential properties. So that doesn't matter whether it's a one-family home or a four-family home. As long as it's within that category, you can purchase it. And so... Uh, some, now, the only difference is different lenders, like the VA has its standard, which allows you to buy anywhere between a one and a four family home. Uh, but different lenders will have their own guidelines. For example, Navy Federal, if you would go to them for a VA loan, they would only allow you to buy up to a duplex with the VA home loan. But that's not based on the VA, excuse me, the VA guidelines. That's based on that particular bank's or credit union's guidelines. Okay. Okay. So in your portfolio, so you have a, uh, a duplex. Any other properties? I see that you also do commercial properties. So is most of your stuff mostly single-family resident homes, or do you have some commercial properties yeah. in your portfolio as well? Yeah. So most of the properties that I have are uh, are single-family, multi-family, meaning duplexes, triplexes. Uh, or uh, the last property that I bought was two single-family homes on one lot. Uh, so every everything that I have is uh, 
residential, but some of the properties that I buy have the ability to be converted to commercial if I want to do so later on. Now, the assumption, because in Atlanta is an extremely competitive market when it comes to real estate, uh, does your cash have to be long to be able to buy these duplexes? What price range are we looking at in terms of properties now? Uh, so, <laughs> it's been changing. As we all know, Atlanta is becoming a more unaffordable uh, area for many people. Uh, but back in the day, ugh, I, I know people who bought homes that are now worth uh, 250000 They bought it for $10,000. But this was related to the uh, 2008 uh, recession uh, or that, you know, I think, what did we take, around three, five years to recover? Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, people bought homes back then that uh, were – just they basically kind of robbed the bank almost, uh, but yeah, made out quite well. But as far as uh, home prices nowadays, it's kind of uh, we're kind of at a crossroads, which brings us to where we're at today with regard to the pandemic, uh, because home home values have been going uh, up steadily, but we are we don't know how the pandemic of today will affect uh, prices going forward. Do you anticipate, you know, based on what you're seeing out there, being active, that um, that uh, the renters are getting a little more skittish in terms of is there is there a vibrant market right now for renters, are people out there actively seeking homes since their employment might be tenable, that they may not be employed in two or three or four months? Well, whether a person is going to be employed or not, they still need a place to stay. Uh, right. Whether someone's scared about their employment, you know, we all shelter is one of those basic needs we learned about in elementary school. So people are. Uh, I had four units available for rent, and I had a, a response for all of them. Uh, if one of them wasn't currently occupied, all four of them would be gone, and this was in a period of maybe uh, two to three weeks. So uh, there is definitely demand out there, especially because it land, and it's not due to the fact that it's real estate, but it's also the fact that the Atlanta region is a very strong region as far as growth-wise, population growth-wise, we're talking job growth-wise, just quality of living, even affordability compared to some other major metros, Atlanta is still a very attractive place. So people are still trying to move here and people, you know, their jobs here. So as long as there's job growth, the economy's uh, (laughs) going good, you know, outside of the pandemic, uh, there will be a good demand for this area. And, and And that's one of the things that is exciting about Atlanta. And because of what you just said, the employment market is pretty robust. And of course, what's going on now kind of uh, goes against it, but that's all happening all across the country. Is there yeah. a, a certain type of property that you're looking at? In other words, how much cash you're going to have to put into it? What's a typical amount of cash you normally have to put in a property, uh, whether it's single family or multifamily? What's a typical amount of people are always thinking? I need a lot of money to get into real estate. Yeah, is that yeah. your case? No. So 
I'll say this. For the first property, I have always recommended anybody who's looking for investing, I've always recommended a multifamily property, meaning a duplex, triplex, or quadplex. Because yep. with an FHA loan or a conventional, you can buy those types of properties with those loans, and it's still considered single family. Uh, Got it. Okay. With those, yeah, with those particular types of loans, you're going to with an FHA, you're going to have a three and a half percent down payment. So for a home that would be, uh, just to make keep the numbers simple, for a home that's a hundred thousand dollars, you'd have to bring thirty five hundred to the table. And that does not uh, include the fact that there are down payment assistance uh, programs available for first-time home buyers. So if a home was 200000 that means with an FHA uh, loan, you'd have to bring $7,000 to the table for the down payment. Now, there are other costs associated as far as what's called closing costs. But uh, they could wind up being another two to three percent of the loan. Uh, it varies depending on bank uh, type of loan, etc. Uh, but two to three percent, roughly. So maybe on a two hundred thousand dollar house, you maybe bring. Uh, we'd probably say seven ish to ten, somewhere in between that ballpark, and that's before you uh, factor in any sort of down payment assistance that may be available, which is dependent upon which city you're buying in, which county you're buying in, et cetera, your particular uh, uh, a borrower profile, uh, all of those things count into what's available to you for first-time home buyer down payment assistance. Now, do you recommend somebody do this uh, on a part-time basis and before going full-time into into real estate investing? Yeah, well, uh, originally when I bought my duplex, I was a mailman in Kennesaw. So I was uh, working for the United States Postal Service, and I either way you need a place to stay. So uh, it just made sense. I was like, I have to live somewhere. So when I bought my first property, I went from paying, I think, around 800-ish, maybe 815 in rent a month, uh, to paying maybe like $2, and that was the difference between my mortgage and what the tenant uh, paid. And then as the, as the, uh, as time went on and, and rates went up, I was also uh, keeping up with rent, so as rents went up, I also uh, raised rents, and so I got to the point where I was cash flow positive. Uh, each month off of a property that was building equity for me and providing some cash flow. So are you are you so doing, it is very are you, part-time. Are you a full-time investor now? Yes. So uh, I transitioned in this March 2016. Okay. So, yeah, that's when I, I went uh, full-time into uh, real estate investing and uh, and just being an agent, uh, being a landlord, and also uh, I'm I was injured in Iraq, so I'm also medically retired from the military. So that provides me uh, uh, a pension and medical benefits. So that was also part something that allowed me to uh, get out of the. Uh, the rat race a little bit earlier. So you had some other income coming in. 
So in, in, what's, your, what's your end game in all of this? I mean, looking down the road, you're, you're about four or five years into full, full-time investing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at what point would you say, okay, I'm done, you know, I'm not buying any more properties? Uh, first of all, how many properties do you have now? How many units do you have now? Uh, seven. Seven. So at what point, and, and you're full-time investing, so at what point, uh, well, what's your end game, I guess? Where do you say, okay, I have enough properties? At what point do you say that? Uh, I, I don't think there's ever a point when I say that. It, it becomes at, – at a certain point, it's not about uh, money anymore. But for me, it's – I actually love doing this. Uh, I enjoy taking properties, fixing them up, uh, basically – creating the world that other people live in and that's what real estate does when you uh, build a building or you renovate a building you create the world that other people live in you create you tailor their experience that they have in the world and to me that is something that is quite a magical experience so uh, the only thing for me it's not a goal of I do have a financial goal but I don't have a stop point outside of death itself uh, but so you, no, only so you, thing I plan on doing, going larger and larger with projects. Okay, so your your plan is to continue is not so much a, um, a a money goal, but that you're going to continue on doing it as long as you like doing it. I guess that's what it sounds like. That you're having fun, you're creating value, yeah. and so there's no point where I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna have 20 properties, cash flowing 100 grand, and I'm like, you know, gonna go do something else or whatever. Yeah, well, no, it, it's it's uh, to me, it's uh, I, I I just really enjoy real estate, and uh, at I have a certain number that I'm looking for uh, of properties. I mean, really, it's it's the number as far as cash flow, and once I reach that, that just means that at that point I'm not concerned about money anymore. But I'll still do what I do just because it's like. It's the same as, you know, LeBron or Jordan or anybody who wants to be great at anything. You just want to be better at what you enjoy. You enjoy playing a game. You just want to be the best at it. And so for me, it's not about – it's a way to provide for yourself financially, but it's also a way for me to affect the world. Okay. So. And when you look at it, it sounds like also that you're buying properties that are vacant. Are you buying properties that need a lot of rehab, or you're buying properties that just need some cosmetic stuff, you know, a full rehab, gutting it out, or you're buying properties that are pretty much close to rent ready. You just need some paint and carpet and that kind of thing. So, what is what pro- what type of properties are you looking at when you're looking at a particular you know deal? Yeah. So. Um, Originally, like if you're going VA or FHA, you need a property that is rent ready uh, because those type of loans will not allow you to buy uh, the fixer upper. There are specific loans for fixer uppers, but for the most part, I'll say this uh, based on clients who I've had who've done their first split. Whatever you think it's going to cost, it's going to cost more. Uh, however long you think it's going to take, it's going to take way longer. <laughs> and so because banks know this, they are very adverse to 
giving out money to uh, to the uh, to fixer upper people. So most of the time, your first property is going to be uh, going to be more of a, a rent ready. Uh, now, what I look for is I look for well, it it really depends. If I'm looking for a rental property, uh, I'm looking for something that's junked up uh, to a certain extent. What I'm looking for. Uh, really depends on the particular property and the numbers. Uh, but I'm looking for properties that I can do a value add, meaning I can fix up things and just uh, maybe modernize the property to be able to increase the rent and increase the equity in the property. Uh, if I'm doing a flip, uh, it will be, for the most part, the same thing, but it's just all about the numbers uh, of that particular property in the area that it's in. So, uh, yeah, it, it really differs. It, it just depends on the particular deal itself and what I'm trying, what my exit strategy is, whether it's a flip or whether it's a buy and hold property. Do you see what you're seeing in the market that you're in and in an area of town, I guess you're focusing on, if there is one? Is this more of a, uh, right now in Atlanta, is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? So we are in a... We're in a confused market at this particular moment in time. Uh, it was a seller's market going into the pandemic uh, because we were dealing with uh, low inventory. It's been historically low inventory. Uh, it's eased off compared to maybe 2018. Uh, 2019 was a much, much uh, less aggressive, at least for uh, the homes at, at the price range that my buyers and sellers are at, which is like 300000 down. Uh, so I would say at this point in time, we're dealing with a couple of different things. First of all, if you've been paying attention to the news, you'll see that Chase recently uh, changed their mortgage standards to, to uh, having a 700 or above FICO score and having to put 20% down. That is basically uh, Chase's way of saying we are out of the mortgage business because out of uh, – I'm trying to think. I've, in my first year, I probably sold maybe like 13 homes. I don't think one of my buyers uh, – I don't think one, any one person had a, above a 700. So basically they're saying – they are out of the uh, out of that business because that score and even that amount of down payment. The only time you'll pay twenty percent on a property is typically it's your second home or it's an investment property. That's about the only time you'll ever pay twenty percent in 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 most cases uh, previous uh, prior to the pandemic. So even if you're a buyer nowadays. You are dealing with uh, restricted lending, so you could want to buy, but people who may have qualified a month ago can no longer qualify. And so, if you're a seller too, if you're a seller, uh, what's happening is, you know, <laughs> if your buyer market goes down, then all of a sudden, either you're going to pull it off market because. There's not going to be enough people. There's not going to be. You're not going to get at your price, or you're going to have to lower your price. And right now, it's so confused. We don't know. We're in the middle of this thing, and it's doing damage. We're seeing, you know, five million people, five, 
filed for unemployment this week, and then six million this week, and then three and a half million that week. Uh, and these numbers are going to continue to eat away at the economy, and it hasn't stopped yet. So we don't really know where the market's going to be, and because of you know things like the forbearance that they've put in place, uh, which I think is really going to eat up people later on. Uh, we just don't know where this is going to wind up because it hasn't stopped yet. The, the bleeding hasn't stopped. We're still bleeding and still trying to gauge, you know, what the what our health is. But until we actually, you know, put that uh, patch on and just, you know, able to stop the bleeding, no, it's it's anybody's guess right now. But it is not really a buyer's or seller's market. It's just. It's just confusion for the most part. Well, it's going to be an interesting ride, and I guess, you know, uh, I think it's going to be interesting in terms of, you know, what happens in the market. That's, it's, you know, I'm seeing in the market that I'm in in, 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 in south of Atlanta, uh, it's more of a buyer's market because there's so many folks panicking and putting their houses up for sale. There's a lot of inventory out there, and so in, in that market, it's just a little different than Atlanta. It's not as competitive. And uh, and the price points are a lot less, and the the, oh, yeah. the market yeah. that they're going at, I'm going after is different than it is in Atlanta. Well, Derek, thank you so yeah. much for well, being on your personal finance. Much success. How can people get in well, touch with you? You have a website or? Yeah, uh, so people can reach me uh, through my website. It's code b o d e black properties.com so www.codeblackproperties.com great great and you're also a real estate agent so you can help folks with that process as well is that correct absolutely uh i primarily specialize with investors investors so you're looking for people who want to buy property as an investment versus somebody who wants to buy a house and live in yes Okay. Or, or someone who's looking for an investment that they also live in, such as, you know, what I did. I want to buy multifamily property to live in one unit and rent out the other unit, or Airbnb one unit or and rent out the other unit. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care now. And there's so many ways to skin the cat. We're going to, in real estate, there's so many ways to, to do this. As you can see, bringing on a plethora of individuals who have different strategies in investing. And I'll be presenting those folks to you so you can get an idea what you might want to do. In, uh, and also some business folks as well. Uh, my next guest queued up. But before we do that, we're going to play a, se- a segment of my show, Your Personal Finance. And this one is about smart, uh, well, small business money moves. You own the business, but employees and suppliers alike can help it succeed. Find out how on today's Your Personal Finance. Uh-huh. A classic story of boy meets girl. Two people at a diner soon discover they share an interest in something other than coffee. So what do you like best about your diet, Sheila? Lots of stuff. Like? I love the 16-valve single overhead cam. Excuse me? Or maybe the electronic fuel injection. Or how about the hype sound system? Or the power windows. And the power locks. They're good. But what I really like is neon 
power mm. to turn heads. <laughs> how about another cup of coffee? No. How about a drive? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now you can drive the head-turning neon for less than you probably expect. Get one all dressed up with lots of extras, including 15-inch wheels or an alarm system. Dodge Neon. Different. Now at a friendly Dodge dealer near you. Small business owners enjoy the feeling of independence and self-reliance. But your employees and your suppliers can be valuable allies in making it successful. Teach employees how the health of the company affects them. If the company is not making money, nobody has job security. Get them involved. If you are too small for a profit sharing or a 401k plan, involve your employees by getting their input on relevant matters. They are the ones who best know what's happening at the cash register or on the production line. Your suppliers can help too. Ask them about early payment discounts and even small breaks on prices. Get your suppliers to deliver inventory when you need it. This saves you money on inventory costs. For your personal finance, I'm Charles Ross. And we're back on your personal finance. Uh, great day to be alive. And I hope you're getting some good information on real estate investing. Up next, this must be uh, the military show because up next is another uh, retired military officer. Joining me now is Charles McCutcheon. He's an author and uh, a retired naval officer who holds a BA in criminal justice and an MBA in human resources. He's a real estate investor, speaker, business consultant, and an equity partner, and this is interesting, in a CBD company, so we'll have to talk about that, too. Uh, good evening, Charles. How are you today? I am fantabulous. How are you doing, sir? I am doing so good, so good. So um, uh, uh, you, I'm a, I don't know what's happening in your state. You're up in Virginia, but down here, our governor has decided to open up the state, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this pandemic. So we're going to be holding our breath on that one. How's things in Virginia as far as the pandemic is concerned? You guys opened up? No, we kind of, everybody just stay home. And when they say open up for y'all, what does that mean? <laughs> well, they're, they're relaxing. They're saying folks can go to the movie theater, can go to dining restaurants, go to the gyms. Um, you know, it's uh, as long as you could, as long as you quote unquote, keep the social distancing guidelines, which I think is kind of hard in a <laughs> restaurant or a gym, you know, I mean, yeah. what can you do? So I don't know, man, it's going to be interesting, but I guess the people who, here's a, ch a challenge and we'll get into real estate is that I guess if your employer, here's where I get concerned. If your employer demands that you come back because they've opened it up and you go back and you get sick and God forbid, then you get sick and die. Can you sue your employer? Uh, to something yeah, about. this is going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Amazing time. Hey Charles, so how did you get start started in real estate investing? How did you uh, how did oh, you get no. started? I actually started with a VA loan back in the day. <laughs> so I, I bought my first house with a VA loan. Came to the table maybe five hundred bucks if I can remember. Too long ago, really. And uh, then I took equity out and I started using equity out of the house to buy other assets and rentals. Rentals. That's what our other guest uh, did. He did the same thing. He uh, used he he you know used a VA loan and got his first property. Didn't have to come with much money, uh, and then started doing things. You know, so how how yeah. long have you been investing? In, how long have you been investing in real estate? Oh wow! I bought my first house in 1996. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. So, but I've been in and out of it. Uh, I took about three or four years off, only due to the 2008. You know, so I started. I stopped in like 2007, and I picked it back up in 2010, the end of 2010. So, but other than that, I've been steady on it. So when you say that you took a break from it, that means you sold all your real estate, got out of the game, no. and then got back in. No, I had I still have my uh, rentals. I just didn't okay. buy anymore because the only reason I didn't buy, I was going overseas. Being in the military, I was heading overseas, and I didn't figure that I could maintain getting more properties. I just said I can just I'll just keep what I have for now. So okay, okay, and so what type of properties? Are you investing in? What is your what's the profile of the property that you're looking at? The only type of deals that I want to do that I do now is the type that makes a profit. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'm into single family, multi family, motels, hotels, casinos, theme parks, land development. So I'm doing a little bit of, you know, I have my hands in a little bit of everything on out there. I partner with folks as well, so I'm not doing everything myself. So, so you've got you just covered the whole thing. Only thing I didn't hear in there was mobile homes and and RV parks. <laughs> you pretty much got nope. a mortgage of real estate stuff of of things that you're doing. I haven't touched any mobile homes, but I'll we had a guess to it if it's if it's right. We had a guest on, uh, I think it was past Friday, um, where he's doing he's doing a mobile. Matter of fact, he's a former NFL uh, player, and he uh, got into uh, mobile homes. The margins on mobile homes are incredible, crazy, crazy business. But you know, there's a that's why I like doing this show and talking to different kinds of real estate investors because it's just not one way to skin the cat. I mean, you're all over the place. You know, when you say oh, making yeah. a profit, is is there is there a particular deal? When you talk about a single-family home, let's talk about that for a minute. So, if you're looking at a single-family home or multifamily, what is your what is the price range you're looking at? Is there a certain price range or amount of deposit down payment you're gonna have to put yeah. into it? I was told long ago, and uh, you have to believe it. There's no shortage of money. So when I go into a deal, I'm I don't really care about the price. I care about the numbers and how the numbers flow out in the cash flow of the property. So I don't care if it's 200000 or 800000 Does it make sense? Is it a deal? Am I going in with my, – my goal is to go in and see how least I can – least amount of money I can spend. Let me just tell you that. You know, that's where I am. So, so you go – so you're, you're – you're, so, go ahead. Uh, my goal is to go in and speak to the owner and figure out what's their issue or how can I help them. That's what I go with first. I don't care about the pricing. I want to know how can I help them first because there's a lot of different ways you can get into deals where you don't have to come out of pocket. Okay. And give us an example then of, of something like that because that's what that's what everybody likes to hear, the no money down there. I don't put okay. my money into it. Give us a, give us a sample yeah. of a of a deal that, okay. that perhaps where you didn't have to put any of your money into it. I'll go to, I'll do it two different ways, but uh, there's, there's deals out there called, you know, there's a wholesale type of deal. There's lease options. There's subject to deals. There's wraparound mortgages. Then there's creative financing. Then there's doing the deal, getting the deal yourself, 
working all the numbers and then putting it out there for investors to invest with you into the property. They bring the money. You brought the knowledge. Okay, I see. So you're saying that you go find find properties that require uh, investment from outside, and you're creating value for somebody who doesn't have the time to perhaps look at deals but wants the value that real estate has to offer. Oh, yeah. Everybody kind of understands that, you know, real estate, you can make money. But if you coming off the top and saying, hey, I have this deal with the 97 unit, there is a 6 to 9% return on it with an average, I just tell people, I just run numbers in a sense, and I tell people, you know, investors and say there's 6 to 9% annualized return. That's what, our, that's what I pay out all these different deals. With annualized returns to me, that's over a period of time. So I say, you know, we can get you anywhere between 14 to 22% annualized return. And that's that's attractive to a lot of people. And so you're doing. So if if I hear you right, then it sounds like you're doing deals, a lot of partnership deals, where you bring somebody in who has the money, you have the expertise, and match the deal. Is the case? I yeah, I do it both ways. Uh, I do my own deals, you know, and, and some deals. When you get into the bigger deals, it may be you know twenty million or so. You bring in other partners and. It's really just looking at the deal and figuring out how to do the deal, really. So every deal to me is something different, and I, you know, I just try to figure it out. You know, I don't, I don't come to the table to be okay. I need to bring twenty billion. I need to bring two hundred thousand. I just want to figure out how can I help this person who has this asset that don't want it anymore. So that's the going so, in. So where do you find these deals? Do they do they come to you through uh, <laughs> certain processes? I mean, how do you find deals like that? You know what? Uh, back in the day, I used to be out there like everybody else. I'm out there knocking on doors. I'm putting out signs. For, you know, we'll buy houses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, going online, going to meet people, looking on Craigslist and all this stuff. Now, deals find me. So, I really get I get so many calls and so many deals. And, hey, check this deal out. You know, I got a good deal here, good deal there. And all it is to me is numbers. So, I run the numbers. And, and I can't do every deal, though. That's the thing. So I know a lot of people out there. So I'll say, hey, uh, I, I got a husband and wife team. They're working on an eight unit right now. And so I have other people that want to invest. So I pair people together. I said, why don't y'all invest together? Because y'all want to deal. Y'all want to invest your money and make money on your money. But you don't really understand real estate. Y'all should work together. Got it. So, got it. You know, so bring people together. So oh, you yeah. know you're 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 obviously doing deals at a higher level than most people probably in initially getting into real estate would want to do. So what would you be outside of being a veteran? Because uh, I don't there might be some people who are veterans who might be able to take advantage of that. But outside of that, how would you advise somebody just getting started to get into real estate investing? What I would do uh, first off is become a student. So I, I think the real estate industry is we have a lack of education because a lot of people don't really – a lot of us in the industry, and this is across the country because I travel like crazy, and you got people that all they want to do is wholesale and flip, and you got a little rehab out there. That's all people talk about, wholesale flip, wholesale flip. And we have all these, like I said, subject to, lease options, wraparound mortgages, all these different are techniques that a lot of people – 
haven't even tapped into, uh, and people literally losing money. They don't even know they have good deals. So what I would do is I use YouTube a lot. When I first started, I would literally sit on YouTube and hours and hours and hours and hours of training. I would go to these different events across the country, pay for events in California and Texas. So, you know, you got to fly out there. You've got to pay $500 to get on a ticket, pay for a hotel. And I meet those people on YouTube, and then I try to go meet them to see, you know, get their documentation and information, and then I apply it. That's the key. A lot of people don't want to want to apply the information. And we have some very studious people that just keep going to these events and paying. I see people paying $40,000 for to learn wow. how to wholesale. To learn how to wholesale. That is unacceptable. That is not the right thing to do. It's not that serious. It's not even $20,000 serious. I don't care who's teaching you, and, I, and I'll put this again. I'll go up against anybody. I don't care. I know the industry, and I just understand it. I just don't believe somebody should be paying somebody twenty dollars to $40,000 unless they come in to live with you and show you how to do real estate. You know, because I see people paying. I got a husband and wife team pay 30000 and they get emails. Come on now. That's not good. I want people to be credible. Give the right people the right information. For $30,000, you need to be bending over backwards for these people. But it's not happening. Well, I think and, one of the know, things that, that I think one of the things that, that I guess allows for that to happen because at the top of the show, I did share that there's generally two ways in America that you make money. Outside, we're coming up with an ID or a patent for something. Usually, you're going to have or start a business or invest in real estate, or both of those. And I think because of that, when people have heard of, of, of folks making money in real estate, so if someone comes around and says, hey, I can teach you how to do this, and you can make a million dollars or whatever, then some folks got the money from their 401k or maybe cash it around and say, I'll give them $10,000, 15000 $30,000 to do that. Uh, and, and, and then they do it because obviously you, you don't need many people to put up that kind of money if you hold a little, you know, workshop or something to really make it worth your while. And I, so I think that yeah. the education part is the most important part. And that's what my wife and I did. We got educated, made sure we understood it. But then after about a year, we said, okay, we just got to go do something. Because I'm one of those kind of people that has to get in there. And my wife is too. And we did our first deal. And now it's like, hey, you know, we're just fine trying to find all the money, do as many deals as we can. Because once you've done one, you can replicate it very pretty much easily, you know. Uh, we're not it. doing the high flyer stuff that you're doing. We're doing single family homes, sub thirty five market, you know, cash flowing down in uh, uh, a city south of uh, Atlanta that we're investing in. But there's so many ways to skin the cat, and I think that people uh, have an interest in real estate investing, but they're afraid because you know if they have a home, they know what that means, and buying yeah. it and going through that process is another thing you know for them to do. So I think that's a real key is getting educated. And then at some point, as you said, you have to do something. You've got to decide that I'm going to buy something and, you know, and don't buy the first thing you look at. I think my wife and I looked at about, oh, geez, I think we looked at 20, 30 properties before we bought one that, that we wanted. Um, so how, you do some other things now. You're also uh, getting, uh, uh, from, from what I understand, you're getting involved in a CBD company. Explain a little bit about that. 
your equity partner. Yeah, so for me, everything I do revolves, in a sense, almost revolves around real estate. So how the CBD came about, I was getting all these guys from California to hit me up. They're looking for land over here on the East Coast. And I was in land and warehouses, and I'm getting this land and warehouses for them. And I'm just like, what's going on? And they said, man, CBD is about to, you know, cannabis is about to blow. So for me, I tell people from a real estate perspective, we can get with these same different companies that may be trying to gravitate to the East Coast and find a building for them or a location for them. But it's, it's all real estate. So, but for me, when you look at the numbers from a CBD perspective or cannabis perspective, $22 billion by like 2022 or what have you, there's a lot of money in that industry. So I just partner with some folks, uh, some other folks that are developers now, and we're doing the CBD. We're infusing food with uh, CBD, health food with CBD, and you know we we getting every everything is up and running right now, getting everything set up, and you know just gonna keep going. But I'm just an equity partner. I don't do anything with the infusing. We got a celebrity chef doing all that kind of stuff. I'm just I'm along for the ride, but I understand the wealth that's gonna be created from the cannabis market and we're going to use that to actually uh you know fund some of the projects we have and if you know anything about hemp hemp can be used to do to build so we're going to be using hemp in some of our build outs and development so wow that's going to be huge well you got your hands a lot of stuff you know to do now the other thing i see that you're doing a certification for an administrative for an assisted living facility explain explain that uh that okay. focus so right now, if you look at what's going on with the baby boomers, you know, there's 10 million plus, like, leaving jobs, like, on a, on a daily basis from the baby boomers. There's a, you know, they're a big community. And a lot of them were, when I was getting in touch with people, where they were reaching out to me saying, we, they want to they wanna move from where they were because they didn't want to cut the grass and all that kind of stuff. So they're looking really for a community. So what I do, y'all can do it as well. And I'm sure it's all across the country where you can go talk to the city. I want to talk to the city, and they're looking to build out more 55 and older communities. And some of those communities I've shifted over and looked at the assisted living side of things. And assisted living is just a huge industry that's going to be going on for the next, you know, 17, 18, 19 years. Uh, With assisted living, you know, they may need a little bit more of assistance and you know, on average, they're paying like $3,000 in rent per room. So if you get a five-bedroom, you got five people in there, you know, five times three, that's eight, uh, 15000 coming in on a monthly basis, minor expenses, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's all real estate. You know, it, it still goes back to real estate because they got to live somewhere. So you can, if you're in the real estate market, you can get good at finding those type of deals to where those people who are looking for assisted living housing, you can get those deals for them. So, mm. I mean, everything for me revolves around real estate. So, as an administrator, uh, you're not talking about managing a, a facility. You're talking about doing the real estate part then. Or well, my, or you are on my end. So I, I went through the class. I have to go through uh, another class, and I have to do 100 hours to become an administrator for assisted living. And once I do that, then I'm going to take the national, national, and I'm just doing this, and I'll tell you why. 
So I'm going to take the national exam as well because I want to be certified in all the states in a sense to where I can use my title of being a certified administrator for assisted living to where I can put one in Oklahoma. I can have one in Virginia, down in Atlanta, in Texas, and I have the RNs that's going to be in the people that's going to actually run it. But my, my title and my certification is going to hang on the wall. Got it. Got it. So are you talking about when you I say real estate, are you looking at a, a you know, a, a, a building or a, a multi, you know, multiplex or multifamily uh, building? What do you, when you talk about assisted living facility, the ones I know oh. are huge buildings. You know, they have many yeah. rooms. They had on-site staff to handle stuff. What, what are we talking about here? Okay, when you talk assisted living, there's two types in a sense that have people coming in. There's a thing called family care, and that's for like six or below, maybe five, but six or below as far as people in the in the place. And then when you go above, I think it's five or six, when you go above that, that's when it becomes assisted living. So assisted living can be an apartment, not, not really an apartment. It can be a house that has, you know, five, six rooms in it. And then you can go to the... Uh, you know, you got the, the bigger building to where you can have 40 people, you know, and it's like it could be a multifamily type of thing. So it could got be, it. It, it's differences in it. So. Well, you got your hands, uh, Charles, in so many pies, you know. <laughs> I want to grow up and be like you. <laughs> hey, I'm working. Yeah. I'm, I'm out here working and making friends. I'm going to tell you all that right now. <laughs> I'm out working there and making friends. People. Well, that's the one thing I learned about uh, real estate is that, you know, it's a community of people. And when you start to talking to other real estate investors, they're more than willing to share their knowledge about how they do stuff because, the, the, you know, there's a lot of real estate, a lot of opportunities out there. And so I have found yeah. that, that when I meet people who are investing in real estate, they're more than glad to sit down and tell you how they've done what they've done and how to share that information with you. So once you get into that community, it's a great community. It's a lot of fellowship. And I am I'm not saying I'm surprised, but it is really, really great to see so many African-American brothers and sisters doing it as well. And you don't hear about that. You really don't, you know, yeah. until you get in and start we'll talking to people. Yeah, and you see a lot of folks in Africa. They're not they're not going to be in black enterprise or anything like that. They're buying you know single family homes. Some of them might have five properties, six, seven, ten, twenty, you know, uh, and they're doing great things across the board. So um, you know, hats off to you and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people get a touch? Because you have some some books and stuff that's on Amazon. You want to tell us about those? Yeah, I got a couple. I have about whoa. I got about 14 books. Some of them out there. Some of them I have, you know, close to my heart. Some of them I'm waiting to put out, you know, after this, all this fiasco happens, you know, dropping books or whatever. But uh, I got a couple, you know, a couple real estate books, a couple. What I do is I, I package up stuff that I've done. I package up how to do private money, how to get business credit, how to find that, you know, fixing, you know, real estate side of things, the assisted living, the nonprofit, the government contracting. So I, I got into all that a little early on, and it's just been, you know, I just keep it up as I go along, and, uh, you know, I keep adding stuff to it maybe. But I've partnered out. So for to get in contact with me, you can just look up Charles McCutcheon, really. Uh, I'm on all social media, really. I'm more on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, you can just look up Charles McCutcheon. Uh, I even get my email if people want it, you know. It's 
uh, Charles M speaks at Yahoo. Charles, the letter M is at Mike speaks as we're speaking with an S speaks at Yahoo.com. People can reach out that way. I'm human, so you know I get a lot of emails and I try to respond as every you know everybody give everybody insight and push people in certain directions and you know because I don't try to be the uh, the expert in everything. That's not what I do. But I can find the I can find the answer because you know if the answer's out there I'll find it. But uh, you know I don't try to be the expert in everything. I know what I'm good at and I stick with that and I stick with the experts to do the things that I can't do. So great, great, great. Well, Charles, thank you so much for being on the show. Your wealth of knowledge. Uh, much success to you and your your adventure out there. And please keep us posted as things develop. I'm more than glad to share some of the things that you're doing. And uh, be safe out well, there. Thank you, sir. Thank you much. All right. You're welcome, sir. All, All right. right. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. All right. There are so many ways in real estate, you know, and uh, if you have an idea, if you're a real estate investor, business owner, and would like to be on your personal finance, just hit us up, Charles Ross at Outlook.com. That's Charles Ross at Outlook.com. Com. Also, we're on Facebook, Your Personal Finance. You can find us there, hit us up there, because we want to share the good news about what folks are doing out there. And I think there's a lot of folks that right now are thinking about, well, what can I do during this pandemic? I'm at home. Uh, if you're working from home, fine. And after work, you've got time. You can't go out, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to certain places. You're sheltering at home. Getting this up together, maybe this is the time to start that business, get your finances in order, uh, start thinking about real estate, you know, because if you come out of this pandemic and you don't have any more knowledge, uh, you don't have a side hustle, okay, that you're doing, you know, then, uh, or some more, you know, things that you're capable of, then it's not that you didn't have the time, you just lack the discipline, and this may be the time for you to get it together. So we thank you so much, and uh, we're going to go out with our theme music. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, stay tuned to our show every, every, count it, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, you know, come on, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 o'clock. Thank you so much for being a part of our show, and we'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>